We're recording. Hello and welcome to what what's our podcast called? Living Let's Discuss. Let's staying in. <laughs> I, I almost said paper movies. Good job. Because we just recorded paper movies two days ago. Hopefully this turns out better than that. Which that one turned out fine, but this is something I was actually looking forward to talking about. We're talking about Thunderball. Yes. Bond film number four. Uh, We'll be talking about the novel by Ian Fleming and the film. And some of the history around the film. And compare and contrast, because this this may be one of the more fascinating histories of the Bond films. This is when things start to get messy with the Bond rights. Yep. This is the catalyst of it. So, Thunderball, as I understand it, was originally... It wasn't a book. It was a series of ideas that Fleming had for an original Bond film... Then, like in like the late fifties, I want to say, or early sixties, it was pre Doctor No that just didn't materialize. So he took those ideas and he put them in Thunderbolt. Well, the person he got kind of what was it sued over it? Yes, exactly. That because he wrote these original scripts for Thunderbolt with two other guys, uh, Jack Whittingham, I think was his name, and the other guy being. Kevin McClory, who would haunt this series till his death. Yeah. Um, And I'm just going to throw this out here because this is my personal opinion, but I think a lot of Bond fans share this. That's the reason, uh, one of the reasons that Fleming died was the stress of this whole thing with Thunderball. I think it led to his heart attack. Yeah, that's definitely a part of it. That and his really unhealthy lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And to be fair, McClory and the stress was a factor in Fleming's death, probably, but a lot of the blame has to be put on Fleming himself because of his lifestyle. We we are not saying McClory killed Fleming. We're saying he, you know, contributed a bit. McClory is a goblin. Or was yes. gigantic goblin, and uh, eventually we'll talk about his remake of Thunderball, which is Never Say Never Again. But thankfully, that will be a long time from now. When yeah, we're the, just gonna mention that it happened in this stream. Well, we have to because Sean Connery was in both of these. Yes. yes. Uh, but Thunderball is interesting because Thunderball, both the film and the book mark a change in the Bond stories. They get bigger from here. Um, of course, the book, the novel of Thunderball is the first appearance of Spectre, was the new new villain in town. Um, but by now in the films, we're well-versed in Spectre. But, yes, uh, and it's interesting because in the books, like you said, it's a different bad guy getting introduced. But with the movie version, it's like the big payoff, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And we were slowly building up to it. Which is interesting. It's interesting, and it works. I'm going to say it works. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, Thunderball is one of those where usually we we can 
I can pick which is better, the novel or the film. In Thunderball's case, I think they're equal for different reasons. Oh. Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. um, I love Thunderball. Um, I really do. I didn't think, because, like, the book was so good when I read it, and I hadn't seen Thunderball, the film, in years. I used to watch this every time it came on TV when I was a kid. This was one of my favorites to watch. Mainly because of the scuba diving fight at the end. I thought that was awesome at the age of 10. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. um, but you know what? I'm so glad you like it because I was afraid you were going to say, oh, it's Thunderball. You know, like being negative about it. Because this is a somewhat controversial film nowadays. Because I know a lot of fans don't like it. Yeah, and I, I, I can, I can understand why. Um, because it's a departure from the books, a departure from what the the novels have gone to. That that I can understand that the film though, Goldfinger was big. The Goldfinger yeah. was a bigger film. Thunderball, of course, is had twice the budget. It it, uh, it had a huge budget to the point where it's actually in sixteen by nine the correct aspect ratio for watching things instead of that weird one I've been complaining about for three episodes now. Yeah. Oh, I have it here. The budget was $9 million. Which is not much today. <laughs> but it was a lot yeah. that, it was a lot in the 60s. Yes, and I should mention right now, box office, this film made 100... Wait, $41.2 million. It was Bond Mania back then. Oh yeah, and, and it, I mean it even is it's even on the tagline of the poster. Here comes the biggest Bond of all. Yeah, and so we have multiple producers on this instead of just yep. the the broccolis, or which broccoli is the the grandpa or dad broccoli? Cubby, Cubby broccoli. Cubby broccoli is here, and uh, we have McQuarrie. Yeah, they had to bring in Kevin McClory because McClory. He, I, I, couldn't have I almost called. Otherwise. I'm sorry, no, I almost called him Ralph McQuarrie. <laughs> Ralph McQuarrie. <laughs> he, he did the artwork for the poster. Yeah, <laughs> that's some good art on that poster. Oh yeah, it's nice. It's very sixties. Oh, yeah. Oh, did you did you know? Speaking of Kevin McClory being the producer, he also has a cameo in the film. No, I didn't know he had a cameo. Yeah, very short, but yeah, he's in there. Um, but we need to get into what uh, Thunderball was about. Yeah, all right, it's simple. So, okay. Uh, Basically, yeah. the story is that two nuclear bombs get stolen by Spectre, this terrorist organization we know at this point in the film series. And James Bond is investigating and trying to find them. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, it's it's very straightforward. But at the same time, it's very compelling. And that was something that shocked me with the film. Uh, was how compelling it is and how urgent. Both these book, both the book and the film are have a very urgent pace. Because um, Bond's following a lead to Nassar, where he meets up with Felix... And they're they're trying to track down because Bond thinks they're in Nassar, where 
no one else thinks that in the book we should mention it's a little bit different in the film yeah um it, well first of all the book i remember thinking i'm like what's the deal with this book because it starts out with emson's bond to a health clinic Oh, yeah, Shrublands. He sends it to Shrublands because M went to Shrublands and feels, like, really good. He sends Bond, yeah. and Bond's irritated. Yes, what Bond is thinking about M, he's like, this old man, he's gone crazy. It's honestly, I think it's the second most irritated I've seen, we've seen Bond with M. And the first being at the beginning of Dr. No, he gets his Beretta taken away. Oh, yeah. And, um... Is this the first appearance of Mary Goodnight? Yeah, I think so. Which, keep keep an ear out for her. She'll be recurring as a Bond secretary. In the books. So, in the books. Yeah. yeah, Bond has his own secretary in the books. We should point that out. And this is her. She's the new secretary. He had another one before this, whose name's escaping me. I can't remember yeah because was she's on zombie or something yeah uh but she's like she's, mary goodnight is the better character yeah true yeah uh she has a lot more to do in the next few books specifically in man with the golden gun but we'll get to that when we get to that um so let's talk a little bit about the difference with the mission like when bond you know gets it mm-hmm or should we talk about the whole Shrublands thing? We should talk about the, the Shrublands. Book, because in the, the it's one of my few complaints I have with the movie is it doesn't make sense why Bond's at Shrublands. That's true. And I think the director, Terence Young, complained about this it, introduction, why Bond is there being cut, because, I think. Because Bond, at the beginning of the film, is completing another mission where he... he assassinate someone and takes off with a jetpack which is so oh, wonderful yes that was a real actually functioning jetpack by the way yes I, I, which is pretty interesting to know I love that there's some bad blue screen in this film but that's not one of them what do you think about his fight scene with the bad guy Jack Bouvard in the beginning I the thought it was scene? fine yeah uh, the thing is and you gotta you gotta take this as a grain of salt. Sean Connery could fight. He was a, as I recall, a judo. Uh, a black, he had a black belt in judo. Uh, but the problem was that they did never had good fight choreographers at that time for anything mm-hmm. more than like boxing or fencing, that sort of thing. Like in Hollywood, that wasn't a, the martial arts hadn't taken off yet. I mean, Bruce Lee was still if he even was acting, was uh, still on Green Hornet. He's the one who caused that to really take off in the whole martial arts in uh, Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So it, it it becomes a little frustrating at times, and I, we talked about this before in, uh, in other podcasts, because... Some of the moves Connery does and the way they have it choreographed and the way they speed it up would his some of his strikes would break his hands. Mm. That's that's always frustrated me uh, with those older films because he can fight, whereas Roger Moore can't. Yeah, 
which eventually start working around, but that's that's a topic for other episodes. Um, <laughs> I, his fighting in this is fine for the era. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was pretty fun seeing Bond beat up a guy to rest as a woman. Oh, that's true, yeah. It was pretty good. I also liked when he, you know, put these flowers on top of him. Yeah, this is the first, this is when we really start getting the Bond one-liners. True, yeah. Thunderball. Um, but, yeah, and then he's, so he's at Trublin's in both of these. Yeah, and with the film, it's not exactly clear why. You can assume he got sent there. Yeah. Or maybe it's something, because you could also think maybe that's something he goes to just to relax. Yeah, because he seems more like he's enjoying it more in the film than he, he hates it in the book. He's miserable. Yeah. Pretty much the entire time. And uh, he starts to uncover, he meets this guy who's like a Tong, like this uh, Chinese gang, or like, I think they're Chinese mafia. He has ties with them. And that leads him inadvertently on, uh, on the path to Spectre. And that, that's the basic of that, but it's different between the, novels and the uh, the novel and the film correct because there's a whole nother character they added in the film to Thunderball. Yeah, not just not just one but we'll get to it yeah so I'll, I'll... so next up when bond gets his assignment you know with m and everything yeah in the in the book it's pretty simple mm-hmm. it's like yeah he goes to work and then he just meets M and he tells him all about this in his office, like usual. Mm-hmm. But in the film, they have this great Ken Adams set where Bond comes in and there are a bunch of other double O agents, which we have never seen before, something like this. And, and which most of them we will never see again, unfortunately. Yeah. And I really liked it because it shows this is a big crisis. Mm-hmm. and it was a way like in comparison with like you only live twice where this film wants to have a big epic story and it goes like completely over the top Thunderball does stuff like this which does show yeah this is a big epic thing but at the same time keeps it kind of grounded yeah um, and I love that scene because Bond's late and M's clearly <laughs> oh, irritated yeah. Well, now that we are all here, yeah. as he looks at Bond, that's but, pretty great. But you see, Bond was too busy, not only with um, the car that blew up, that was chasing him, but also having sex with that nurse in the sauna. <laughs> right. This film has some of the goofiest places Bond's ever done it at. Yeah. Oh, this just reminded me of that scene in Shrublands when, you know, the bad guy, I think it's Count Lippe. Yes, it's when Count he tr- Yeah, when he tries to, like, kill Bond in the spa, in the stretching machine. Yes. And it just looks like Sean Connery dry-humping a desk. Yeah, but that's from the book. 
Yeah, I know, but it's... I don't know. Maybe they could have made it look less silly? I don't know if you could. <sighs> I... Yeah, because I remember thinking that's ridiculous in the novel. Mm. Um, because it, it reminded me, there's a scene in Diamonds Are Forever, the novel, where a dude gets buried in hot mud and gets burned. So similar to the opening in the movie Diamonds Are Forever. I don't remember the opening of Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> I, well, we, oh we yeah yeah okay yeah i remember that yeah oh uh, i wish i hadn't yeah <laughs> yeah um can, can we just say that sean connery's acting is probably the best in this one yes which i wanted to mention because i have seen some of the critics of this film say that you can already see connery being like yeah, whatever, I don't care anymore, which I don't agree with at no. all. No, no. Next film, yes. Definitely next film. No, but in this. This, one, he's, this is like great. This is Sean Connery at, at his peak as James Bond. Oh, yeah. he He's in the best shape, I think, that he ever was as Bond in this. Because he had to be shirtless for like most of this film. True. I mean, yeah, there was this scene in Doctor No where he was shirtless in the river and everything. Yeah, but not not for long, really. Yeah, but this this he got a chance to show it off. Yeah, and I mean, like he's doing he he had to do all a lot more physical stuff. Like yeah, he got almost murdered by a shark on set. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. really get to. Oh yeah, that scene. But um, yeah. Do we want to just go scene for scene? And like, just... yeah, let let's do it slowly. Not yeah. that we forget anything important. Yeah. So, oh, and uh, the difference we should mention before I forget it. Um, so Bond goes to the Bahamas. Bahamas, you know. Yes. In the book, this is M's idea, and he's the only one who. You know, it's like, oh, there's something with the Bahamas. Bond, mm -hmm. you should go there. And Bond thinks like. I don't think there's going to be anything in the Bahamas, but whatever, I can take a vacation. Yeah. Whereas in the film, it's Bond being smart and thinking, okay, here's the connection with this guy I saw at Shrublands, and this is his sister in the Bahamas. Maybe there is something there. Who in the film got his face replaced. Yes, which is not in the book. We should mention the pilot. What's his name? His last name, at least. I don't remember. Pitachi? He's Italian, I know that, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because his he's Domino's uh, brother. Yes. And and they also have last uh, different last names in the film than in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, um, in the book, Domino's brother, this Italian man, this pilot, he's like not really part of Spectre. They just paid him. Yes. And that's it. But in the movie, they had to change it to make it more cinematic, and so there's this whole face-off situation. Kind of stupid, but it it's in the grand scheme of things in these Bond films, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, it's a plastic surgery. It's okay. It, it's not uh, a Korean man being turned into a white man. Yeah, or the part in the remake, Never Say Never Again, 
with this fake eye. I forgot about that. Well, you will remember when you watch it again. In a few years. Yeah. Ugh. But so, when we get introduced to the pilot, mm -hmm. we also get introduced to the femme fatale of the movie, who doesn't exist in the book. At all. Fiona... No, not at all. Fiona Volpe. Yeah, um, I like her. Oh yeah, I think she's good. Yeah, she's a great addition to this, uh, this story. Although, I... I kind of like her casting better in Never Say Never Again. Mm. I think, but that is the only time I will say that <laughs> in this review. Although I think she's solid in, um, in Thunderball. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thing we haven't seen before. Yeah, uh, true. She is the first femme fatale in the series, right? Yeah, she's the best but done. Mm -hmm. out of all of them I'm gonna say that quite a bit there are certain things that are just that are just done the best in Thunderbolt that they try to do again and again and it doesn't work yes one point in particular I want to get get to and that um, has to do with Goldfinger what we talked about last episode mm -hmm. okay but Bond is in the Bahamas and in the book he meets Felix Leiter his old friend who got called back into, like, service for the Americans because before Thunderball he was a private detective because he had to, left to leave the CIA because of the shark attack. Yes, which we'll get into in a few episodes. Uh, mm -hmm. But in the movie, he also meets up with Felix at some point. Mm -hmm. But before that, he already meets up with uh, Domino and another new character, Paula, Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's in this. And Felix in this film is played by Rick Van Nutter. Yes. Who looks... He's obviously like the Jack Jack Lord replacement from Dr. No. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird. It's like if you mix Jack Lord, Felix Leiter from Dr. No, and the old fart from Goldfinger together, you get Rick Van Nutter. And I like liked it. Yeah, he has like his hair haircut and the glasses, but he has like this old man gray hair. Yeah, but it, it, unfortunately, he doesn't do a lot. No, which is a shame. That's always the problem with Felix. Yeah, except for in uh, License to Kill. That's true. Uh, I think it's probably because, oh, but James Bond is the main character because the book at like, for a big portion of it, I would say it's almost like a buddy cop thing. Yeah, there's this happens in a couple of books. Where Felix is heavily involved. Yeah, and I think it's the strongest in Thunderball. Yes. To an extent. Because despite Felix's handicap, he seems to be Bond's equal in many ways. Yeah, definitely. And in this one, because in the book like large portion of the Bahamas part is just Bond and Felix investigating the villain of the story, Emilio Largo. And in the movie this got replaced, you know, we have this femme fatale to worry about. We have this Paula character who's an ally of Bond, but then something happens to her and all this other stuff is in here. 
to make it more interesting or something. Yeah. Which which I think works. Yeah, it does. I will say something they didn't change is the card game. Oh. The card game is the best part of this whole film. Because mm. it feels like the book. Definitely. And a lot of the dialogue is taken from the novel. Oh yeah, when Bond is like talking to Largo, mm-hmm. like he sees his specter. Yeah, and Bond's taunting him. Yeah, that's that's a good part. It is. It it felt like Fleming's Bond. Like Bond's getting a little cocky. Mm-hmm. Sort of thing. Also, I, I what, do you, what do you think of the casting for Largo? So the actor is Adolfo Celi, mm-hmm. and I think he's good. Yeah, yeah I think I he's think he does fine. a great job. I think he looks good as a villain. What I find interesting because in the book Largo doesn't have any like disfigurements; like he just looks like a cool Italian dude. Mm-hmm. And Fleming says like, "Oh, back in the days." someone like Largo would have been a pirate on sea. And so the movie just gave gave Adolfo Sealy an eye patch. Yeah. Which I found really funny. But yeah, he's good. He's good. What I find a little bit annoying is how they dubbed him over. Yeah, once again, dubbing him. Yeah, because yeah, this is this is something different. Because in like From Russia with Love, we have an Italian actress playing a Russian character. And you made the argument, like, yeah, she has to do a Russian accent, maybe she couldn't do it, and so this was the easiest solution. In this film, they hire an Italian actor who has an Italian accent to play an Italian character, but because of his Italian accent being too thick, apparently, they get another Italian guy to dub him over after the fact. Yeah, this happens in Ho- this still happens in Hollywood from time to time. Do you ever see the uh, Neil Blomkoff film Chappie? I think so. In, in Chappie, there's a character who has too thick of a South African accent, so they put subtitles on him. But it's not <laughs> thick enough to warrant that. It's just some people just can't understand it. Also, I hmm. hope you can't hear that, but my. My neighbor upstairs has decided to dribble his basketball at nine o'clock at night because he is a giant man child. Cool. He, he, he's probably drunk. It's Saturday. He's drunk every night, but he's they're, they're particularly bad on Saturdays. I know that's off topic, but if yeah, it, some drunk, drunk basketball. Yeah. Well, we have a basketball court right next to our uh, building. Hmm. So, yeah, he's getting over his ass upstairs. Anyway, hopefully that didn't filter in, but I'm keeping that in. <laughs> yeah, back to the movie. Yes. So, the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I like him. What do you think exactly about him? I like him more in the book. Mm-hmm. I think he gets overshadowed a little bit in the film. He's still great, but, like, there's so many more characters and he's having to share the screen with this femme fatale true and it's funny that you mention it because i think like yeah i would agree he's somewhat overshadowed Mm -hmm. despite giving a good performance i think oh yeah in the 
in the book it's almost worse because we get the introduction to Blofeld. Yes, that's true. And in the book, that's like 30 pages of like Blofeld's entire life story and it's awesome. And you oh. think, I want to read more about this awesome guy and then they introduce Largo in the book. And it's like, yeah, okay. I guess he's the villain now. Yeah. Slightly less interesting. Uh, that's a little wonky, but I, it still works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is also something I really love here. Speaking, this again, set design. The Spectre headquarter, mm-hmm. where he goes to, the meeting room. That is such an awesome scene. Yes. And it it brings back the actor from, from Russia with Love to do Blofeld. I know that they didn't... He's so good. Yeah. He's so good as Blofeld. If only for you only live twice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for You Only Live Twice, they brought in Lobot. Psst. We'll get to that next month. Yeah. Cool. Oh, no, You Only Live Twice. I uh, I was thinking for You Eyes Only. They brought Donald Pleasance in, in, in You Only Live Twice. Yeah. It's early for me. I'm confused. Sorry. It's late Our for dear me. Listeners. <laughs> it's not that late. But, yeah. Uh, and this is again with Largo. I like when Blofeld kills one of his men. And Largo is just sitting there and looking like bored. Like this is something usually he doesn't care about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think that's a, that's a good scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. I like, I like Largo. Um, but you know who steals the show in my opinion? Who? Domino. Definitely. Oh my God. I would say... I, I think I can say it right now, what I said before with the Goldfinger thing. Domino is like what they wanted to do with Goldfinger. It's like, oh, making women more stronger and independent. Mm-hmm. It failed in Goldfinger. We talked about it because there was like no chemistry or anything between Pussy Galore and Bond. Mm-hmm. In this one with Domino, this works. Can I Can I tell you something here? Yeah. Domino is my absolute favorite Bond girl. Of all the films? Of all the films. Damn. Uh, yeah, like, I like that she holds her own with Bond at times. She's tough, but at the same time vulnerable. Uh, she's just complex. And she's like, yeah, I, I'm Largo's mistress. Like, oh, yeah. Which especially for the book that's so controversial mm-hmm. like that's the, like it's just like that's how I that I did this for me and I I just I I loved her in the book and I loved her in the film she has her she has her own little character arc oh yeah which is very nice she's believable unlike I mean, the one that always comes to mind is Denise Richards as a Christmas Jones in The World's Not Enough. You can't oh. tell me that Denise Richards is a nuclear physicist <laughs> when she can't pronounce half of the, the jargon she's supposed to be spouting. <laughs> she's a nuclear physicist, yeah. Yeah, she comes from the Christmas George W. Christmas only comes once a year. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of... 
especially because they are always pushing for like oh strong women in these Bond films and then you know Denise Richards yeah oh well uh, half of them half of yeah. well I mean the the Moore era is notorious for just dumb women characters we'll get to that later I always say this we'll get to that but even like the 90s ones how many of them would hold their own with Bond uh, the Bond girl in Tomorrow Never Dies. Waylon, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jinx, kind of. Yeah, I I guess so, but she has other problems as a character. Yeah. Um, the Craig ones, none of them. Yeah. None of them at all. Well, I mean, you... That, Skyfall doesn't really... Barely has a Bond girl. True. So, um, which, yeah, we'll get to that because I, I have some opinions on that. But, um, yeah. Uh, you know what I really liked with Domino in the film? Mm -hmm. They changed her first meeting with Bond because in the book, Bond is basically waiting for her, searching for her. And <sighs> he just meets her in like a shop. And yeah, some cigarettes. I, I, I have to. I have to make a comment. It's the. It's Fleming being very Fleming. He says that she drives like a man. <laughs> and that that made me laugh out loud. And I'm like, that's the most Ian Fleming thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> he he had such a low opinion on a. It it's funny because like. Domino's a great character and he wrote that character. Um, but he had such a low opinion of women at times. Yeah, I mean Especially the driving. That's still a joke, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was a pretty funny line. It, it is. If he intended it or not, it's pretty good. It, 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 did, it did make me cackle a little bit. And I'm like, oh. And you know on Goodreads, a bunch of people are like, this is the most misogynist book I've ever read. Because they do that every time. If, if Do you ever go on Goodreads, Noah? Not really. Okay. If you do, and you look at the American reviews, guarantee every one-star review, they either say that these books are misogynistic or racist. Except for the spy who loved me. Those are all accurate claims. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just like drives like a man. And yeah. she's she's driving an adorable little sports car that I for the life of me cannot remember what it's called. Hmm. Um, but it's a cute little thing. They don't make them anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so this was a good scene in the book. I would say, but yes. in the movie, I think it's even better yes. because they first meet underwater. Yes. Driving home the theme of this film, which is a lot of scuba diving. Oh yeah. A lot of it. They really want to get their money's worth from, from filming underwater. Yeah. This may be which, the best this is, this looking. This is one of the big complaints against the film by some, but I'm like, this was filmed. Like this is a 1965 film. And they had to film this stuff underwater. And they actually they absolutely should show it. 
they actually filmed it underwater, which in future Bond films is not always the case. Yeah. Um, yes. But really, that, that it's, I'm fine with it, with much of this film oh. being like underwater and slow, apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, have you, have you ever tried to fight someone underwater? <laughs> no. That's hard. I got in a brawl at a public pool once and we weren't completely submerged. <laughs> it's just like, like it's hard to do like it makes sense yeah I will say though that this film did do something wrong uh, like that this caused a bad precedent which is a lot of people that get into like free diving and they go for diving knives think that a diving knife is a fighting knife mm. it is not a diving knife is meant if you get hung up on something you can cut your way out of it you're not going to fight a shark with a diving knife. I mean, you, you can try. Most diving knives don't have a... Uh, most diving knives have blunted tips. Like, they're squared off. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the Bond films, specifically Thunderball, have, have ruined diving knives. <laughs> the purpose. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of... Domino, quick before we move on. Mm-hmm. In the movie, her name is Domino Durval, mm-hmm. but in the book, it's Domino Vitali. Yes. Which is, I think she says it's like a fake name because her birth name is like, uh, I think it's Pitachi. I'm not sure what it was in the book. And she like hates it or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Can we can we talk about the scuba diving sex? Oh yeah, sure. Since it pertains to Domino, okay. Which is near the end, yeah. It's near the end. So there's a scene in the book, and it's a very emotional scene where Bond knows he has to break her heart and tell her about her brother, and he's not looking forward to it, and he like feels remorse. And this is something I love about Fleming's Bond is he has these moments where he feels remorse for, like, what he has to do, or he feels bad for killing people, or, like, that sort of thing, um, which doesn't always come off in the film. But they, they have sex in, like, a, a changing room? Yes. In the film, he has sex with Domino underwater. Yes. That is the which, w- all I can think of is that is the worst bladder infection a woman could have of getting that much salt water pushed up in you. You'd have to go to the freaking hospital. I mean, I would say it's a better scene than the one in Never Say Never Again on the boat, but we will get to that one. Oh, you don't remember which one? No, I don't. Uh, I remember the the pool scene at the end with Mr. Bean. Oh, well, then you have something to look forward to because speaking of like awkward, strange sex scenes. Oh, oh yeah, with the femme fatale. Yeah, I remember. Okay. Well, the, every every scene with Sean Connery that was like that was awkward because he was like their grandfather. <laughs> it's the same thing with Roger Moore in his last couple films. It's gross. Yeah, grandpa. Yeah, he, he 
the, he's they're banging women that uh, that were born when they uh, they qualified for social security. It's just nasty. Have you twick him? Oh yeah, well yeah, that that's even worse because Roger Moore had that awful facelift. <laughs> But going back to Thunderball, that, that's he, that's not the case here. Connery looking good, acting good. Oh yeah, acting great, looking great. Um, mm-hmm. there's some there's some things I wanted to talk about because you know the they want to get their money's worth of the underwater. Yes. So they added additional underwater scenes to the film. Mm-hmm. Um, one that comes to mind is of course the shark pool. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which almost killed Sean Connery. It literally. Well, I think someone lost a leg making Thunderbolt too. Really? Uh, mm. Or that could have been you only lived twice. That they they got like lost a leg filming, and it actually ended up because they had a false leg. They fell to their deaths in a future film. It was like a cinematographer. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just like, just, yeah. But, um, so, there's the scene. We're going to just jump around here quite a bit. I, yeah. don't, I don't think we need because to go. Because that's, that's the thing with our podcast. We expect you to have already seen the film and know the film. Yeah, not necessarily read the book, although you should. Yeah, but, I mean, I think we explain enough with the book and the differences. Yeah, um, but, like, so, in the book... Felix uh, Bond uh, portrays himself. He goes under the skies as a millionaire who wants to buy the house that Largo uses as a vacation house with Domino. Um, Palmyra, it's called, I think. Yes. And uh, he ends up uh, kind of sort of not. I wouldn't say befriending, but like they're on friendlier terms in the book than they are in the film. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And so much so that Largo takes Bond and Felix onto the Disco Volante, which is his uh, yacht, Mm -hmm. Uh, which does not happen in the film. In the film, he invites Bond to his house, and Bond, uh, you know, ends up sneaking in there later. And it ends up that he gets in a fight. Well, he's trying to save his, like, female partner or whatever. Paula. Right. Paula, who, spoilers, dies. Ooh. And was kind She takes a cyanide pill. She takes a cyanide pill. She was not very helpful in the film as a whole. Mm. Um, neither of those people are very helpful. <laughs> they don't really do anything except for stand around or sit around. But, uh, yeah. So he, but he what, sneaks. You know in... what I want to mention before you move on to the shark scene? What? Yeah, so he has, I mean, you said with the great one liners, mm-hmm. he has one of the best uh, when he first meets Largo in like his house, Palmyra. You know, when he's like, you know a lot about guns, Mr. Bond? And he's like, no, but I know a lot about women. <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good line. Um, yeah, because he's yeah. like, oh, this looks more like a gun for a woman. Yeah, and um, there's, there's also, they also go um, skeet shooting. Bond's like, oh, I guess it is easy. 
like giving him shit. <laughs> I love Lago's reaction. He's like, yeah. <laughs> His face in that moment. Pretty great. But um, Bond, so I got to get to the show. So there's two swimming pools. Okay. There's the swimming pool mm -hmm. that Domino swims in. And then there's a swimming pool full of sharks. Which I, I have a theory that both swimming pools are full of salt water. Because sharks would f die in chlorinated water. <laughs> they would they're, they're, they would literally burn up. Their lungs would burn up. Their gills would just burn up, breathing in chemicals. Like, then they die a very painful death. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, Bond... I, uh, oh, go on. Yeah, continue, because I have here some quotes about the shark scene. So Bond... It, he gets caught and he ends up losing his gun. He loses his Walther. He ends up in a fist fight with the dude and they fall into the do Domino's pool that we see Domino swimming in, in the previous scene. So Largo has the, uh, not only has the pool cover co over it, so they can't get out. They can't surface, but also there's a tunnel from the shark pool into the other pool. And he opens it so the sharks will eat them. And literally, Sean Connery is swimming with sharks. Yep. That is absolute insanity. You can literally oh, see the fear in Sean Connery's eyes swimming yep. that close, especially because they're like, he's like in a tunnel with one. So give okay, me, give should, me I, should I read this little quote? Yes. Okay, this is by Ken Adam, the set designer. Um, I had rented a villa in the Bahamas with a saltwater pool, which we filled with sharks and used for underwater filming. The smell was horrendous. This was where Sean Connery came close to being bitten. We had plexiglass corridor to protect him, but I didn't have quite enough plexiglass and one of the sharks got through. He never got out of a pool faster in his life. He was walking on water. <laughs> yeah. That's terrifying. That's so bad. How did they not wait, have enough wait, plexiglass? Wait till we get to the end fight with uh, the Disco Volenti. There's something even worse that happened. Yeah. Okay. Um. So... We haven't talked about the Femme Fatale that much. She has this goal of, like, she's gonna kill... Bond for Largo. Yes, exactly. And she nearly kills him by driving like like a goblin. Like a man? <laughs> like a madman, maybe. Yeah. Going a hundred great scene. 120 in a Mustang. <laughs> Sanity. <laughs> I've driven fast, but I've never driven that fast before. Hmm. And I like the nice little bait and switch because during that drive, Bond sees like her little specter insignia ring. Yes. And he's like, oh no. And then she starts going faster and faster. Mm -hmm. And Bond seems to think, okay, now something is going to happen. And then she just stops like normal at his hotel. Nice little bait and switch. Yeah. He also finds her in the bath. And it leads to probably my favorite Sean Connery like 
sort of gesture ever in any of these films where she's like, can you hand me something? Yes, and we'll put on the shoes. <laughs> that kills me. That, kills, that yeah. makes me literally laugh out loud every time I see it. Yeah. Just too many great scenes in this. Her death, though, is also funny. Oh, oh yeah, I remember. Oh, when Bond goes to the Kiss Kiss Club, as it's called. Yes. Mr. Because he's trying to escape her and Lago's man. Which, we should mention, this has to do with the soundtrack. They play the original, like, theme for this movie, which Mr. is Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yes, and I love it. Yeah. It's very good. They didn't use it. They used the Tom Jones version, which, which is, is awesome. Awesome. It's a great song. It's instead of like with Goldfinger, we have a song about the villain, and the Tom Jones Thunderball is all about Bond and how awesome he is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like the same with Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, where it's like this guy, James Bond, he's so awesome. And like the only song that has like actually has anything to do with the story is like the Johnny Cash version. Kind of, yeah. Which sounds <laughs> Which, like it's from round uh, like uh some sort of western. Yes, we should okay, everybody listening to this, listen to Johnny Cash's Thunderball. It's awesome. And I kind of wish they used it because that's so it's so strange, like if they had used this instead of like Tom Jones version, mm-hmm. we we would have very different soundtracks in future Bond films. Yeah, yeah. Tom Jones's song kind of established a norm. Oh yeah. Also, the we didn't talk about the opening credits. Not only do we have the first gun barrel to actually have Sean Connery in it, um, mm-hmm. we have the. First of uh, women swimming, and women yes. swimming is a thing for. It's still kind of a thing. Some of the time, I would say about a third of the time in the Bond opening credits. Yes, you because have silhouetted naked women swimming. Yeah, because they changed like the the guy who did the credits sequence was the same guy who did the one for Dr. No but for From Russia with Love and Goldfinger they got someone else mm-hmm. I think I think for From Russia with Love and Goldfinger the guy who did it was called like Brown John or something I don't remember what this guy was called who did Dr. No Thunderball and then pretty much everything after that until we got to Goldeneye yes because Goldeneye is when they started being like kind of CG-ish. Then Tomorrow Never Dies, it's like almost all CG. Yeah. And then, and then you get to Spectre and it's big octopus arms. Yeah. And Daniel Craig's bo- uh, head on a 20-year-old's body. <laughs> yeah, I, I have some jokes already for Spectre when we get to it. <laughs> In two years. Yeah. Maybe but three yeah, the opening sequence is pretty good. Yeah. Pretty damn good, I would say. This film is pretty good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, Thunderball's wonderful. Um, we should get into the end, probably. Yes. I mean, is there anything else in the middle portion that we should mention in terms of, like, great scenes? Um, I want to talk about something that I was shocked. I didn't remember it, first of all, in the mm. movie. They kind of bring up Domino being tortured, which is a big thing in the book. Uh, yes. Largo tortures her, and it's... I'd say... I always say it's pretty heinous. It's less heinous than a lot of them are. It's, mm. it's disturbing because this is the first time a Bond girl's been tortured. Yeah. And either... That we know of for sure. I mean, there's... Goldfinger, there's a there's hints of it with the painting. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like this, he's like burning her with a cigar and then putting ice on it. Yes, uh, that's what a weird well. way of torture. Um, so we get to our our climax, which is Bond. In the book, it's Bond and Felix and a bunch of... In a, yeah, in a military submarine. Yeah, go and have a scuba dive fight with uh, Largo and his men. Which, can I just say, like, in the book, that's such a funny image. Like, Felix Leiter with, like, his hook hand. And it is peg leg. Yeah. Swimming. That was... I... I I was like, why? What? I mean, and he has issues. <laughs> he has issues swimming with his hook hand. In fact, he ends up getting injured. Yeah, and Bond, Bond has to like take him to safety. Yes. Uh, but in this, I want to point... So, the film... It's like 12 on 12, I think. In the book. Uh, yeah. And then in the film, it's like a hundred on a hundred. Well, it's not a hundred. It's like thirty on thirty. Yeah, a little bit bigger. And, and it is a free for all of harpoons and, and <laughs> punching. It is wonderful. Yep, it's one of my favorite climaxes, big climaxes to a Bond film, where you have Bond and a bunch of other dudes like fighting. Oh, oh, isn't, like, the end, end fight in Moonraker your favorite, then? No. Where it's basically the same battle, but instead of underwater, but it's, it's in space. But it's and stupid. instead of harpoons, it's uh, laser guns. It's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely stupid. Yeah. But, yeah, I agree. This end fight is pretty great. We should mention, mm -hmm. I just remembered it, Desmond Llewellyn returns again as Q. Yes, he. it's the first time Q's in the field. Yeah, which is pretty nice. And Bond is acting like a dick. It is wonderful. Yep. And this is the like the first time he's really full on doing what, what becomes standard with Bond and Q. Yep. That would even stay till the Brosnan films. Oh, yeah. I will say Brosnan... He really could do that. He, he, mm -hmm. he did the Q tormenting well. Yeah, and Q already got some funny lines in this one. Yeah. 
Which but, in Goldfinger, it was mostly like... It wasn't bad, but it wasn't like quippy dialogue. I, I never joke about my work, 007. Yeah, that's a great line, I mean. It is, but it's not that funny. It's like, from Russia with Love, there was already one. When he, he shows Bond like this uh, Atachi case. And he's like, if you open it this way, this will explode. In your face. It's little moments. That's that's what I like. Yeah. But um... this one's also this one in Thunderball is also pretty good. He has something about this pill that Bond has to take, and Bond is like, "What what do I have to do with this thing?" And Q's like, "Swallow it." Bond Bond's like, "No." I like it. I yeah. like their interactions in here. Uh, it's not my favorite Q. We'll get to that eventually. My favorite Q <laughs> thing ever, which makes me cackle. But I enjoy it. Um, although, we need to talk about Bond's little breathing apparatus that's supposed to only be for like five minutes. Oh, yeah. The and, one that George Lucas used in the Phantom Menace. Yes. And the fact that he's using it for 20. <laughs> yeah. He's going around punching people and cutting people's scuba tanks and stuff and throwing grenades in into wrecked ships uh, and he's just using these five minute thing did he do all that he's like he like messes with 12 different people he would have drowned but uh mm. we need to get to oh, and with these uh, little breathing thing there's also a fun fact so apparently the Royal Corp of Engineers, they asked like the designer of that thing, Peter Lamont, uh, how did you how did you make this underwater breather thing? Gosh, this is amazing. And he was like, This is a film, this is a special effect, this doesn't work. <laughs> it's true. Which I, I mean to be fair. The jetpack was real, so maybe they were thinking like, oh, if this is real, everything in this must be real. Yeah. But that, that's just a pretty funny, funny thing. It makes sense. Um, it was the 60s. Yeah. It's before laser beams coming out of watches was a thing in Bond. <laughs> or magnet watches. The watch yeah. in this is just a Geiger counter. Oh, yeah, which they confuse because they also say, like, the camera is the Geiger counter. Yeah, that's more more from, closer to the book, so they could give it to... Um, Domino? Domino. Yeah. Okay, but so going into the end fight. First off, the whole thing with Domino being tortured and everything. In the book, it's when she returns and joins the battle. It's mm -hmm. like very like last minute thing. Like yes. She she shows up just in time to save Bond, mm -hmm. which is cool because she kills Largo underwater. Yes. Which is awesome. And it's similar here in the film, but in the book, we only hear later by Felix that like, oh yeah, she must have escaped the room and then jumped into action. Which isn't much like they don't really tell us how did she escape mm -hmm. but in the film they actually show it which leads to you know this other character which we should talk about 
Oh yeah, the German scientist. The I don't think he's German in the movie because they changed his name, and I know why. <laughs> All so, right. Okay, the German German scientist in the book he's German. He, I think he was like a Nazi. Yes, right. Because Spectre, this is something we need to point out for the book readers or people who are like when we explain this. Spectre Blofeld's thing is he works in. Uh, groups of three so they have three people from smash in the book which we didn't talk about where largo murders one of them because they're going to mutiny and he makes yeah, because the... that's always what the russians do and, and so he shoots one like in the face um there's like three former nazis they're like from various gangs and um terrorist organizations right um so yeah th- what is the the scientist's name in the book? Okay, and I think that's the reason they changed it. The scientist in the book, he's named Kotze, which is the German word for vomit. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, I'm 100% sure Fleming knew this. Oh, he probably that was, did. That was intentional. I'm pretty sure Fleming knew enough about German as a language and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and they changed his name to Ladislav Kutze. Mm-hmm. And I think he has another nationality. I don't know exactly what it is. But yeah, for obvious reasons. <laughs> and, and, and something I want to point out is that he... Uh, Bond throws him overboard and gives him a life preserver and we never see him again. Yes, he even says, I can't swim, I don't know how, and then Bond just pushes him off the boat. He's like, you'll learn. Yeah, but we need this happy end with Bond and Domino. And this guy, yeah, who cares? Yeah. Pro- he Maybe he survived. But the the fight on the, the Disco Volante that splits in half becomes a faster ship. Which is awesome. Which I is really awesome. But Bond gets on and he just punches everyone in the face. It is wonderful. <laughs> it's just this brawl between him and four other dudes. Yes. I think it's in the fight with Largo. There is like this one like jacked guy coming up from like underneath the ship and he's just holding like a champagne bottle in his hand. And Bond kicks him in the face. Yeah. It was so random, but it's so awesome. And then he hits him with the door. That's the one he hits the door repeatedly and then throws into the ocean. (laughs) And and then Largo gets shot in the back with a harpoon gun. By Domino. By Domino. Yeah, so this is the Bond girl killing the bad guy. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, and... Yeah, and it works great for the little character arc and everything. Because at both times, Bond's like, it's a no-win situation for him. In, mm-hmm. in the book, he's been, he's basically been herded into this, like, little area where he can't escape, and Largo's just gonna stab him to death. Yep. And in the film, he's got, Largo's got him at gunpoint. Mm-hmm. I, I dig it. Also, Dom- yeah. Domino gets her revenge. For Largo yeah, killing her brother. Yeah, it's pretty damn good. So. And then, I mean, what you could criticize is the speed up footage. 
Oh yeah, the speed up and the blue screen is bad. Yeah. It doesn't take away too much from the scene because I think this is a pretty good end fight, but yeah, I mean it's a little bit wonky. It's dated, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and there is you know, so the disco volante crashes and explodes. Yes. And there's a great little behind the scenes thing. Do you know about it? No. Let me just read this. Okay. While in Nassau, during the final shooting days, special effects supervisor John Steers was supplied experimental rocket fuel to use in exploding Largo's yard. Ignoring the true power of the volatile liquid, Steers doused the entire yard with it, took cover, and then detonated the boat. The resultant massive explosion shattered windows along Bay Street in Nassau, roughly 30 miles away. Oh my god. (laughs) That is amazing. That sums up this film. This film is awesome. This book is awesome. Uh, Yeah, I mean, they, they gave him experimental rocket fuel just so they can blow up the yard. This should tell you something. That's the kind of special effects we expect and want in a James Bond film. Yes, instead of <laughs> terrible CGI. Yeah, cut to Timothy... No, cut to Pierce Brosnan getting electrocuted by a guy in a Robocop costume. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say cartoon Holly Berry jumping into the ocean. Yeah. Yeah, cut to Pierce Brosnan surfing the big wave. The the greatest scene of all uh, cinema. Yeah. It's up there with the barrel riding scene in Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. Mm. But yeah, pretty good, pretty awesome explosion. (laughs) Pretty shitty for the people in Nassau, apparently. Yeah. Shattering their windows. Oh, gosh. So... Let me ask you this. Would you recommend this film? Of course. I think this is an f- absolutely great James Bond movie. This is... When you think James Bond, this is basically the movie that comes to mind for everyone. Because this has everything. This has the charming, great Sean Connery. This has, like, the big evil organization stealing weapons, wanting, you know, holding the world hostage. Mm-hmm. It has an awesome Bond girl. One of the absolute best, if mm-hmm. not the best for you, the best. I would say one of the best, definitely. Mm-hmm. No question. Some of the best action. I like it. I don't mind the underwater scenes at all. Me neither. I think it's quite impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and just in general, this is a very solid film, and I can understand why it made so much money. And it is the last, f- not okay, not the very last film, but for now it was the last grounded James Bond film that still felt like big and epic. And then they, you know, they made You Only Live Twice, which... Yes. We'll get to next month. Yeah, but overall, Thunderball, absolutely A+. I would even... This might be controversial. I would put this over Goldfinger. Because this is something we didn't mention. I think... Terence Young, who also directed the first two films, I simply think he's a better director. And he makes the film look better. 
like something we didn't mention, the Bahamas as a location is great. It looks great. And that's something that I missed in Goldfinger because Goldfinger really fails in terms of like great locations and making it look good. Mm -hmm. This film succeeds in that regard. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, I love this film. This is one of my favorites ever for, for Bond. Uh, I think this is one of the quintessential Bond films ever. The book is my favorite of the Blofeld trilogy as well as one of my favorite Bond books as a whole. Mm. It just felt fresh and it felt like the right take for the, the novels. Um, but let's, let's segue into, uh, Bond stuff we've been reading because we need to talk about how I finished the Fleming books. All right, go ahead. Um, I laughed at 007 in New York, the last yes. short story. <laughs> Yeah, I got your message about it. It was great. Uh, yeah. Um, the spoilers, the end of the last book, Octopussy and Living Daylights, ends with a short story that wasn't even published for Octopussy and the Living Daylights. The new versions it is. It's called 007 in New York. It was an apology for uh, Ian Fleming saying that New York's a terrible place. Spoilers, it is. Um, and it's about Bond reminiscing about the good old days in New York at some point. I don't know when he does this. And then it ends with a, a recipe for scrambled eggs. Yeah. It is a nothing story. Yes. But at least you get a James Bond recipe for scrambled eggs. I need to try it, but I don't like champagne. Hmm. But yeah, did, what a way to go out. That's that's the last Fleming story. Yeah, not chronologically, which is the only good thing. Yeah, the last story would be then be the uh, Living Daylights, technically. Um, written, I guess. But I was thinking, like in reading order, that would be Man with the Golden Gun, actually. Oh yeah, I would. Yeah. Yeah, because the short stories in Octopussy and Living Daylights take place before the events there. Uh, they well, they take place before Thunderball. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, they they don't have anything to do with Spectre. Yeah. But they take place after For Your Eyes Only. Hmm. I think, or they it and they're interchangeable. It's that era where he's not fighting Schmersh, but he hasn't met Spectre yet. Yeah, they could basically take place at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but you finished the Fleming novels, which is good. Yes. It was uh, worth it overall, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I will probably... I'm taking a break. Well, I'm reading Goldeneye right now because that's paper movies coming up. Yep, I finished it, by the way. I know you have, and Adam's finished it too. I am on chapter two. And Matthew hasn't started it yet. He needs to hurry up. He does, but it's Matthew. Took Mm. him a year to read The Approaching Storm, which I don't think he ever finished, and he just lied about it. (laughs) Same with Rogue Planet. Same with Rogue Planet. Same with everything, let's be real. He only reads the new canon. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, I I was thinking reading The Life of Ian Fleming, which is an autobiography mm-hmm. by John Pearson, who also wrote a James Bond novel, the authorized James Bond biography. Yeah, I was going to skip that. Oh, yeah, you should. You should. That's a, that's a weird one because it started as like a parody book. Oh. That he then saw turned into a real book, and it recounts like it pretends James Bond was a real person. Yeah, and Fleming got the inspiration, and this guy did experience some of the Fleming book adventures, but not exactly the way they happened, and it's just kind of weird. Yeah, because this is the Mary Honey writer, child writer. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. It's it, it's it's weird. It's a weird. Yeah, no thank you. Um, We already had weirdness like that in You Only Live Twice. A little, little bit. Oh, come on. I mean, I liked it. I didn't. No. I thought we'll get to that next month. Yeah. Where we get the full rant. Oh, that that's gonna be interesting because you only live twice is one of my favorite books. That's I know it is, and I feel bad, but it's not one of mine. Well, maybe we can agree on some points. Oh yeah, there are some good things in there. I will say that. Um, All right. Mainly, and... it got me to read Bonto's um, haiku. That's oh, the, that's the big takeaway. Yeah, I just bought a ton of his work. I've been reading that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I might get one tattooed on me. Hmm. Yeah, but that's going to be the next episode, which is. is going to be interesting because Thunderball, book one of the Blofeld trilogy, and you then only... there was supposed to be on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And then You Only Live Twice would be the revenge story and the final, but not for the films. No, and it doesn't make sense. No, because apparently the only reason they couldn't make Majesties as the next film after Thunderball is because, like, there wasn't enough snow when they were going to film, so they had to wait. That's stupid. Yeah, I know. Well, literally just fake snow. Or, or maybe if you have to make another movie in between, take a standalone book instead of the third book of the trilogy. Yeah, you could, like, can you imagine... Why don't you make another Goldfinger, like, make Diamonds Are Forever? That is a standalone. Make yeah. that one after Thunderball and then continue with... Or Live Majesty's and Let Die. Project. Yeah. That would have been interesting with Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. It would have been darker. I can tell you that. Def- definitely. That That's... No pun intended. Oh, it would God, have been darker. Yeah. Uh, that's fucked. <laughs> If we go again. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, but is Live and Let Die the most unpleasant of you all? You mean film or book? Or? The book. Is it the darkest? You mean, like, just in terms of, like, the tone? Yeah. Ooh, that's tough. I remember it being mm-hmm. disturbing and how violent it was. Well, Casino Royale is pretty brutal at times, but Live and Let Die is just, I remember it being very violent. And Yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's where Felix gets 
almost killed by a shark. But Bond gets and his the, Yeah, the torture finger. scene, Bond and Solitaire, the Bond girl getting tortured by Mr. Big. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I would say it is probably the most brutal. And it's the second book. Because <laughs> I remember when we got to Moonraker and being like, oh, that wasn't nearly as violent <laughs> as, yeah. as living like that. I mean, it's still... this. Those early Bond books were super... Bond got messed up. Yep. Regularly. I mean, he gets messed up pretty bad in all of them, except for... Um, Man with the Golden Gun, he doesn't really. He does a... Spy, actually, who, spy who Loved Me, maybe? Spy Who Loved Me, yeah. He gets... He gets a little injured, but not a whole lot. He gets mm. cut, but that's about it. But he's barely in Spy Who Loved Me. He wasn't in there long enough to get injured. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get, really get injured in the short stories. Hmm. Uh, True. Yeah. Which I can't wait till when we talk about those in detail. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's going to be interesting because we would have to do... Uh, what's the first one? I guess For Your Eyes Only? Which is a couple because, of them. Yeah. I think the biggest portion of the story in For Your Eyes Only, the film, is from the short story Risiko. But the, the For Your Eyes Only short story is in there too. Yeah, that's true. And there is a little bit of Live and Let Die. Oh, yes. So, that's an interesting one. It is. That's, it's my favorite uh, I think it's my favorite Moore film. Oh. One of them. That's hard mm -hmm. to say. Definitely. There's a there's a there, there's a, there's another runner up that's arguably equal to that. Ah, uh, yes, Moonraker. Oh, obviously. Actually, it's a view to a kill. Ooh. <laughs> I hate a view to a kill, except for the Duran Duran song in the opening. Mm -hmm. It's just, yeah. Like I said, it, these these guys playing Bond, like they're they're. It's like Charles Bronson in the later Death Wish movies, where he's he's literally dating women that were born when he qualified for Social Security. Like it's so nasty. But I guess he's got to have other families to get horribly murdered so he can go Death Wish the the bad guys. <laughs> Yeah, so... What have you been reading, aside from Goldeneye, Bond-wise? Bond-wise? Like I said, I was thinking about the Fleming autobiography. I yeah. definitely need to read his last couple of non-Bond books that he did, Ye which, would, which would be Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, yes. um, The Diamond Smugglers, and Thrilling Cities. I noticed that you're, not, you're avoiding John Gardner books. A little bit. I mean, uh, the last one I read, I didn't hate. I think it was No Deals, Mr. Bond, which was extremely brutal. Hmm. Did I tell you about it? No. The story, in short, it's like a bunch of women who get like... Uh, they are targets for like the Russians or some evil organization here. And they get like brutally murdered 
because they are witness they were witnesses to something they get like their heads smashed with a hammer and their tongues getting cut out ew yes and i was like wow okay this is like psycho thriller serial killer stuff in a james bond novel so this is coming from the same author who uh specter had what was it mind controlling ice cream Uh, yes (laughs) that's that's from the same author that that's i mean with fleming it was a little bit he started very serious and then you could feel you know in his later books he got kind of like more fun but this is like extreme I think the further away he got from World War II, the more he, like, loosened up. Yeah. Because wasn't he in World War II? Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, because that's where the whole Bond thing comes from. Yeah, that's also why he named his house in Jamaica Goldeneye. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I'm going to continue, John Gardner. You know what? Mm Mm-hmm. Up Monday, I'm going to start Scorpius, which okay. is another book of his. Yes. Yeah. And then we will see what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I did read Golden Eye, which he wrote, and mm. it was, I mean, we are going to talk about it in the Paper Movies podcast, but it was fine. It was okay. I enjoyed it. That's what I've gotten so far, is it feels mm. pretty straightforward, a movie novelization, which is fine. That's what it is. Yeah. That, that I mean, it's pretty short. Yes, that's another thing I'm pretty happy about. It's not as short as um these Christopher Wood Bond novelizations, though. Oh, yeah. From what I have heard, they are pretty interesting, though. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading those. I know you don't yeah. have one of them. Yeah, I think Moonraker is the one I could potentially get. I have two of them, if you want to pay shipping well maybe yeah but I, I have heard the Christopher Wood novelizations are closer to Ian Fleming actually which is interesting for the spy who loved me because that's like as far away from Fleming as you can get but it still works on its own yeah huh I can't wait to talk about that with you yep alright but I guess to finish this off Thunderball, awesome film, awesome book. Would recommend. Would recommend. And next time, it's time for You Only Live Twice and Sean Connery turning into Mr. Spock. We we are going to talk about that one for like 30 minutes, I'm sure. About that scene alone. Oh, yeah. That's going to be a drawn out one. Uh, Spoilers, that was the first Bond film I ever saw. Oh. And I was... I was probably like six. And all Did I... you like it? Yeah, because I was into ninjas. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's why my dad found it on TV and put it on. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you might like this is into ninjas. And then they're the base in a volcano. And I was like, oh my God, people live in volcanoes. Yes, this is the most epic film ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Have a good night. See you next time. Yeah.